Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. Uh, inspired by some things that came into my DMs, made a few social media posts about this, and I thought, let's expand. You know, that's the problem with social media. We uh, don't get to explain it can't can't reference speak to qualify clarify every single nuance every outlier so it's broad sweeping statements and i appreciate how frustrating that can be for some people um it's been frustrating for me but i guess maybe i'm opening with a reminder that when someone posts something on social media sit with it i think i actually a long time ago put that on my story hey a lot of people's posts, especially mine, that are rooted in psychology and mental health, it's it's going to trigger, it's going to confuse, it's going to expand and educate and transform, and you're going to have all different kinds of responses. And sit with it. If you're feeling a lot of really powerful responses, and there's like a little bit of a gem in that for, you know, this can be applied anywhere in your life. If you're feeling a really, really, really powerful response, an amplified response, an extreme response, it's probably not directly related to the post as much as the post has brought up some historical stuff, some deeper stuff, some things that you've been struggling with for a while and sit with it for a minute. You know, uh, uh, here's another gem. Never respond to an email, a text or really anything until you're at a low level. If you're feeling like you're at a five or above, that means you're definitely dysregulated. And if you're at like a two or three where you're a little frustrated, a little disappointed, let it kind of cool down. I mean, that's just a general pro-social, pro-mental health tip. Don't respond or engage when dysregulated. <clears throat> and no one's tweet, in theory, anything centered in mental health really shouldn't you know, generate such a powerful response, which I've seen sometimes on my own stuff. And so I realize often that the person's response is less about the tweet or the post and more about them. And they're just really kind of showing their dysregulation. So regulate a little bit. And as always, feel free to just keep swiping if you don't agree with something. Having said that, I also appreciate that sometimes people want to add, um, expand upon, or share their own experience. It's awesome. Uh, but remember that it can apply to everyone at all times. And when we're making a tweet or a social media post or even making a statement on media, we have to generalize to an extent. We can't call out every possible like I said, outlier or nuance. Um, so I kind of say that with tonight's show where 
you know, the, we're going to talk about how, how to keep yourself single or in a bad relationship. And that's a play on words. Cause essentially what we're really saying is how to not stay single. If you don't want to be single, how to not be trapped in a bad relationship. So it's going to be a hearty show from a relational perspective. And remember much, much of what's discussed within maybe romantic relationships can also apply to non-romantic relationships. Relationality is relationality. And again, it's not always possible to clarify that. And so sometimes, you know, it all gets collapsed down into the word relationships. And when we hear relationships, we tend to assume romantic, but it means more than that. Um, and as always, if you're wanting to be single, happy to be single, aromantic, asexual, whatever it might be, awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. You're allowed to be introverted. You're allowed to be lower, lower social. You're allowed to even be asocial, which means not interested in socialization. You're allowed to be where you are and who you are. That's the work of mental health, managing the world through a place of liberation and authenticity and making sure that, you know, you're living a life that's got purpose and meaning for you. There's no right way to do things. And it's really important to normalize that, that just because there's a standard or a stat or a norm or even something traditional, that doesn't mean that's right or correct or for everyone. And that's the problem with mental health is it very much is rooted in stats and normalization. It's very much rooted in traditional ways of being. And it kind of pathologizes anything that sits outside of that. And that's not fair. And that's just not true. A lot of health actually lives on the margins because, you know, that's where truth and authenticity operate. But having said all that, again, the work is just about being more of yourself, um, not aligning with any preset definition. And when we talk about things like, hey, what are the common stumbling blocks that keep people single for those that want to be in relationship? It tends to be a lot of the same things. And again, I'm a big fan of repetition because that's how we really internalize and get familiar with. Because repetition is essentially a form of practice. And we know that practice is how we transform our thinking and our way of being. And practice is how we become the person we want to be. I was at a uh, a dinner over the holidays. This is going back to uh, New Year's and Christmas time. And someone pulled, well, they didn't really pull me aside, but that's not the relevant part of the story. We were sitting and talking and they said, can people really change? And I could tell by the way the question was posed that it wasn't a uh, generalized philosophical quandary. It was a specific, they were thinking about someone or something in specific themselves, someone else. And I said, yes, but they have to want to, and they have to practice. It's not enough to just want to, to change. You have to actually know what you're working on and work on it. Otherwise, you know, changes is inevitable, but not necessarily the things that someone might want to, to be different or necessarily towards the positive because life is always in motion. Um, so things are always kind of shifting and moving, but people's personality and characterological style and how they think and how they act, that isn't promised to change unless they want to. And then they also have to be practicing. The quality of your mental health is tied to the quality of your practice. And that's why I like repetition. And I like saying, Hey, here's how to do these things. Go apply it. That's what good therapy is kind of problem solving, problem solving, talking about skills and tools, but then they have to go out and get applied. And that's kind of what I always offer on the show. Like, don't just listen go track it in your life and go do something with it. More to come. Stick around, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all, so don't go anywhere. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, y'all, we're back and we're looking at the ways that people tend to keep themselves trapped in singledom. We have the highest rate of singledom. We have a high rate of divorce, a high rate of cheating. People are delaying marriage. I believe a lot of that is based on we don't know how to choose partners. We don't know how to be good partners. We don't know how to deal with conflict and difficulty. And uh, if we did things better, people might be more interested in getting into relationships. People might widen their understanding of who a potential partner could be. And relationships might run at a higher level and a healthier level, thereby making it reasonable to stick around. But uh, the cheating, the um, breakups and divorce rate, the singledom, all of that is a sign that that is not a product people want to buy. <laughs> Sit with that. If it was a, a product that was reasonable and was desirable and felt good and made sense and was healthy, people would be all in. And I've said this on the show before, and I think it's a really powerful statement. And I put it also in my book, my first book, Sex Outside the Lines. This idea that if we were actually good partners, people wouldn't want to leave. And that marriage, unfortunately, keeps some people trapped in a relationship they don't want to be a part of that they shouldn't be a part of because it's financially and, you know, they've signed a contract and it's financially problematic and difficult to get out. Maybe they're living together. And I said, I wish it wasn't the case. Divorce should be a simple, quick, easy thing. It shouldn't have to be regulated by the government. We have to pay money and go through hoops. It should just be a request that's made. My God, it should, a relationship shouldn't be run by the government. They shouldn't have to say what can happen for us to separate. And and I love that idea if we could get there because then people would only stick around because they want to, which means we'd all have to be good partners because if we weren't, well, then we don't deserve to be in this relationship or with our partner. We have to earn it. It's like everything else in life. If, if the job, you know, people that can't find employees, it's because your job isn't desirable. You have to earn the right to employees. You have to earn the right to a partner. Um, that's, that's the way it is everywhere. And so I want relationality to really be impacted by that. That people should be able to quit when it's no longer good, healthier working for them. And that means we have to constantly do the work. And someone might say, but yeah, that sounds a little like intense or extreme. It, it needs to be because remember, and I can't drive this home enough. And, and there's a lot of research and theory I could weave into it to make it make more sense. But like, and maybe I'll get there down the road and really explain it. Maybe in tonight's show, I'll, I'll talk about some of it. But please just know that our brains are social organs. Our nervous systems are social organs. We require the presence and care of t and touch of other people for them to grow and thrive in the ways that they need to. Again, we look at those famous studies of children that are in orphanages and are not cared for and are not seen and don't get mirrored and don't get picked up and don't get touched and they don't thrive. Isolation is one of the most detrimental things for us. So robust, healthy relationships, the ventral vagal system is a very soothing thing. We need co-regulation. We need bar functioning. We need others in our lives. They keep us grounded in reality. They keep us from going literally psychotic. They help us do reality testing. 
bigger than that, every time we interact with someone on any level, they impact us. An internal working model that we have, it's a, it's a, it's a consciousness that, that is impacted by all of our experiences and determines whether or not we feel safe being closer around other people. And repeated experiences of being in social environments and interpersonal relationships where we are shown that relationship and intimacy and people aren't safe or they're violent or abusive, we will start to Internalize that. We will not feel comfortable being around. We will not be interested in. The, the inverse is, is there as well. The more positive, supportive, safe, and joyful experiences we have of others, the more we'll be drawn and interested in being with and around. Every time you inter engage with someone, you are left feeling better or worse about others, the world, the future, yourself, your body, your sexuality, whatever it is. We are open systems. We are sponges. So words do hurt. <clears throat> it's not, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, yeah, they will. Words and verbal abuse and gossip and name calling and put down and all of that, we internalize that. That does reorganize our psyche and our nervous system and internal working models of how safe we feel around others and in the world. It matters more than you know. That's why I'm always advocating, get away from unhealthy people. Get out of all relationships of all kinds, family members, friends, colleagues, lovers, sex partners, hookups, friends with benefits, if they don't treat you in a healthy, positive way because that will impact our sense of self-esteem and self-worth, which is a relational experience. It is not an inside job that's done alone. Our self-worth and self-esteem is reflected back to us. It's an accumulation of how those around us have treated us. This is so vitally important. Take it seriously. So that's why I want people, if they're in a marriage that is not healthy or good for them to be able to be like, I'm out and I'm only here if you're going to be a good human being and a good partner. And if you can't do that, then you are not healthy enough to be brought into someone's life, which is why I'm always saying we have to assess ourselves first. Are we currently healthy enough to be a partner to someone because we are, we are powerfully and deeply impacting their life, their world, and how they see others? <clears throat> Take that seriously. And that's why I'm always advocating for leaving toxic relationships or calling it out and saying, if this doesn't change or get worked on, it ends. I can't drive that home enough. And we have a lot of robust research in interpersonal neurobiology and attachment theory, social contagion theory, mirror neurons, family systems, inner child work, trauma theory, the list goes on. <laughs> it is not a debate. It is scientific fact and empirically validated all of this. So take it seriously. And that's why we're going to talk on tonight's show about what are the things we need to consider and think about more so from the perspective of, Hey, I'm single and I want to date because that's the bulk of you. More people are single than are in relationships and those are in relationships. Congratulations, but they might not be right or healthy for you. You might want to consider finding a better partner or working on it or improving yourself. Start with ourselves first. Always. I say that about every topic. Is this you before we point the finger? <laughs> Cause we love pointing the finger. I get it. Trust me. I've been there. <laughs> but now I look at myself first. I'm always like, wow, what was my interaction? What was my part in that? How can I learn about myself? Um, but there are some things we're going to get into that are the uh, most common stumbling blocks. Some of you will relate to these. Others won't. But always translate it. Say those might, the listed ones that Dr. Chris brought up specifically, eh, not me. Don't get it. But what, what are the ones that maybe I can? And on a final note, um, remember... We tend to go to friends and family members for advice. So you just might be putting all this in your back pocket so as to be able to share this reasonably with someone else who needs it. It's not always about you. <laughs> I love being able to say that. It's not always about you. I remember being told that as a kid. <laughs> it's a powerful lesson. All right, stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Don't go anywhere, y'all. 
Oh, Rachel, we're back and uh, talking about how you wind up keeping yourself single or in a bad relationship. Maybe this is for you. Maybe it's for you to be able to share with somebody else. I've said this a few times recently. I'm going to reiterate it again. I think it's important. One of the first things we have to think about is what is our ego list with dating? Yeah, ego list. What are the things that we think we need to have that have nothing to do with what kind of of a partner this person will be, but is more rooted in our ego, the way we need to be seen, uh, our borrowed self-worth from this other person. Well, if they look or act or are a certain way, well, then I can feel better about myself. That is not what relationships are about. Feeding your self-esteem relationships and your partner, your partner choice is not meant to be a life support system for your fragile, sensitive sense of self or ego. And so we should be looking for people that make good partners. Yes, be attracted to them as well. This is not a denial of that. In fact, it's an imperative. Be attracted to your partner if they're going to be a romantic sexual partner. Oh my God, yeah. I'm not denying that. But what I'm saying is there's some qualities that we'll say we need, which are more about the ego and not about attraction. For instance, I've worked with clients where they've told me that they were interested in someone. La, 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 happy, happy, online talking. And then they find out something like their height or their weight. Now, how does that magically shift? Why does that have to do with anything? What does someone's height or weight have to do with what kind of partner they'd be? It has nothing to do with what kind of partner they'd be. It has nothing to do with how they'll be in the bedroom. It has nothing to do with how, how supportive or available they can be in times of distress or challenge. It has nothing to do with how they manage conflict. Like those are, those are ego. So if you're dating based on height or weight or you're excluding people based on that, you have work to do, truly. Um, also body part size. That's another one. We need to let that go. We're talking about partnership. Um, also things like sexual anxiety, when people have rigid sexualities, like I'm a top only, I'm a bottom only, sex for me is only penetrative things. That again is anxiety because none of those things are real or true. None of us are this one thing sexually. That just means that's what we're most familiar with, we're most comfortable with. That's all our body shame will allow us to do or our fragile heterosexuality or our fragile masculinity. Oh my God, be better than that. But people rule out potential partners based on that as though we aren't all flexible and malleable and adaptable. And people rule others out uh, out of, people will rule, be ruled out based on all that. Again, ignoring the fact that when you're in a loving relationship with someone, you do things you don't always want to do in service of their pleasure or intimacy. Everyone has the capacity of being a top or a bottom. Everyone has the capacity of expanding the definition of sex beyond penetration. Body part size, sexual positions and all that aren't real. Sexual compatibility, in fact, isn't about any of those factors. It's about how much we like sex, when we like to have it, how much intimacy we want during it. It's those factors. And those factors are also workable and malleable. We treat a lot of these things like they're rigid deal breakers and none of those listed things are deal breakers. The income someone makes, not a deal breaker. Again, doesn't directly have anything to do with what kind of partner they'll be. It has to do with the fantasy of the life you want. If you want a bougie house and tons of cars, Go get the kind of job or build the kind of career that affords that. Don't put that responsibility on someone else. We lovingly love being passive and we want someone else to bring into our lives that which we want, but we're not willing or able to do. That again is not about relationship or partner choice. And these are all ways that people keep themselves single or in bad relationships. If you are focusing on the material or the physical, you are not assessing partner choice. You are trapped in your ego and fantasy and anxiety. And it is hard to pull people out of that because it feels so real and so true to them. <clears throat> but we're trying to talk about the emotional, the psychological, the social, and the interpersonal, and even the erotic and the sexual, which have nothing to do with the physical, 
or the material. Physical material, the same things, things we can touch, feel, weigh, see, where we need to move away from that. Because again, none of those things have anything to do with how someone will be as a partner. Also, I've said this on the show before as well. We're going to hit it again because a couple of people reached out my DMs and want a clarification on this. Also put a social media post out about it. People will sometimes say on rationally, I know perfect is impossible, but they are behaviorally showing that that's actually what they're seeking. The model is we're looking for, we're looking for good enough. No one's going to check every box, nor do they need to, especially because we can grow and change. But we're looking for good enough. But some people really keep themselves single by needing everything. Or as we said, it's also about being trapped in bad relationships because they don't allow for some disappointments and frustrations. They can't tolerate being disappointed or frustrated. And if their partner disappoints them or frustrates them and lets them down in some way, they then say that might not be the right partner, the right relationship for me. Um, hi, welcome to humanity. Everyone will let you down hundreds of times in your life. We still have to stay connected to people. We can't kick people out of our lives because they let us down, disappoint us or frustrate us. Grow up and be better. That is not the way to move through the world. That is how you keep yourself single, isolated, or in bad relationships. We have to learn how to just allow the disappointments and frustrations. Not all of them can require a conversation or fixing. I say that to my clients in couples therapy. We can't always try to address everything. And I don't mean that in terms of therapy. I'm saying that to them out in the world. Learn to let, let some things just be. Learn to let some things go. You can't seek perfection by calling out and making an issue of everything that disappoints you, lets you down or frustrates you. I am about communication. I'm all about transparency. I'm all about change, but we have to let some things go. We're going to come back to some DMs and then we'll get back to this. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Well, Rachel, we are back and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm noticing that my family is not respecting my boundaries during my healing process. I am a victim of domestic abuse. And while I'm safe and out of that relationship now, <clears throat> my family does not understand that I don't need to talk about it 24-7. I also don't need to talk about it with such emotions as anger and hate. Trying to move on, but they constantly bring it up. I've told them I don't want to talk about it. I've told them that I'm healing in my own way and I don't need to be checked in on constantly. They say they're just trying to help, but sometimes it makes it worse. So let's make this a learning moment for all of us that we want to respect people's process. And that a lot of times it's our own anxiety that we're really trying to regulate. It often isn't about the other person. It's that we feel we need to talk about it or we're anxious not checking in on it, but that's where we have to learn boundaries and impulse control. Um, stop making it about you. Even though the intent might be care and love, it lands problematically. So when someone tells you, I don't want to talk about something, the only correct answer is got it, noted. Um, caveat to that is we also want to know that sometimes when people want to talk about things, which this writer is saying they don't, but when they do, oftentimes they want someone just to hold space and listen. And a lot of people have a tendency to jump into action or problem solving. So also be thoughtful about that. And sometimes we can help it along by asking, do you want us to, you know, do you want my help with a solution or do you just want me to listen? And nine times out of 10, someone will usually say, I just want someone to listen. So also ask that because not everyone's looking for a solution. Most people just want someone to be present in it with them. They just want to share or they want that co-regulation. 
Sometimes they might want some tools, tips, and tricks, and some fixing, so they'll tell you that. But if someone says they're not interested in talking about something, let it go, because I don't agree that it's always good to talk about it. I think that's a myth. It's good to talk about some things at some times with some people, but there is a point at which we are obsessing and ruminating and forcing ourselves to live in something which, A, we need time away from, B, we might actually have resolved, or C, we're trying to move on. And sometimes it's other people that pull us back. So again, it's not always good to talk about it. Um, if we have other things going on in our lives, maybe we need our time and attention directed to something and we'll come back to processing whatever just happened at another day or time. Or maybe we don't have an interest in being that close with the person that's trying to get us to talk about something. We don't wanna drop into that with that individual. Maybe we're having a good day and it's not on our mind and we don't wanna live in the associated and triggered feelings with that topic. If you're having a good day, have a great day. There's no reason to sit in or bring up a topic that isn't relevant to you in that moment because it's not relevant, because you're not thinking about it, because you're not feeling it. We don't, and in fact, in trauma work, we no longer really go back and talk about the details. So it's not necessarily even trauma-informed or trauma-supported to say, tell me every detail, let's talk about it. Oftentimes, it's really about regulating ourselves, staying in the present moment, disconnecting from the past, looking at ways that it shows up, it shows up if at all in the current moment, because trauma shows up in reactions. So we deal with it when it emerges. We don't force ourselves back into it because that can just be re-traumatizing and forcing us into an experience that we're not needing to have, especially if we're having a great day. And I do talk to my clients about not ruminating about not living in something and taking time away to be distracted by something, carving out time to find joy and laughter while difficult things are happening and taking a vacation from it. So it's not always good to talk about it. We don't wanna always talk about it at that moment. And if someone tells you not now or not this, the only correct answer is I heard you understood. So for the author of this question, you don't have to participate in conversations you don't want to. No one can make you have a conversation. So again, if your family members say, hey, let's talk about the domestic violence, and you say, I don't want to, you then get up and walk away. End of story. Say, I'm gonna stop you. Again, I don't wanna talk about this. Tell me about your day. I'm gonna stop you. I told you I don't wanna talk about this. Let me tell you about my day. I'm gonna stop you. I'm gonna go outside for a walk because it looks like you're trying to force me into this, and you get up and you go. You don't sit through it. You don't sit with it. You don't allow it. And that's what we have to do with people that are unaware of themselves, don't understand boundaries, or have poor impulse control, which is what your family sounds like. So apply that. It's the best we got, but it's a learning lesson for all of us. Be very thoughtful about what someone needs and don't force on them what you think they need because you don't know what someone needs. You don't. If you've got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to. Past episodes of the show is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. More to come. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Stick around. All right, y'all, we're back, and we're talking about how people tend to keep themselves single or stuck in bad relationships. Bum, 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 bum. Okay, so before before the DMs, we were talking a lot about how people have these ego lists, and they're all things that are material and physical and have absolutely nothing to do with kind of a partner that person would be. We also talked about not trying to uh, look for perfection, whether in or outside of a relationship, that you look for good enough. We have to let some things go. Every frustration, disappointment, or letdown cannot necessarily need to be resolved, fixed, solved, or removed. We have to let some of those things remain. Nothing's going to be perfect. And people will be like, I know, I know, but, and I'm like, no, but. 
So again, what kind of partner is this person? Let's let go of height, weight, body part size, sexual positions. All these things have nothing to do with anything, but those are the things I keep hearing in my office. Oh, but we're both tops. No, you're not. You both are most familiar and comfortable with topping, but you both have the capacity to bottom. When we're in a relationship or trying to build one with someone, we, we offer them things and we take ourselves outside of our comfort zone. We might not like horror movies, but we go see them because it makes them happy. We might not enjoy a baseball game, but we go because they want us to be there with them. We might not like someone's family, but it's important to them, so it becomes important to us. It's okay to do sexual things with consent that are safe because it's important to your partner. It's not always about you. <clears throat> stop making everything about you. No one is a top only and sex is more than just penetration anyway. These are all important pieces that we've unpacked deeper on the show, but I want to hit them because I hear that coming from a lot of different communities. Those are not real concepts. That is just sexual and body anxiety speaking, sexual anxiety and body anxiety. And let's not be pleasure phobic. Let's learn how to engage our entire body and our partner's entire body. Those factors don't aren't real. Okay. Also, we have to allow a healthy regression or merger. What? I know that's shocking to some people, but when we form a truly committed and attached primary relationship, it is like, it is a merger, it's a fusion. Oh yeah, our nervous systems and our brains wire. We affect each other's hormones, blood pressure, heart rate, sense of safety with self, others, and the world. Oh yeah. It's real, we fuse, and that's why breakups are so hard because it literally is a breaking apart of those neuro and nervous system connections. We have to let that weaken and die. So yeah, we are separated by skin only. This is interpersonal neurobiological and attachment theory, really robust, empirically validated stuff. It's quite stunning, but that's what we're seeking. It you know, we go from an I and a me to an us and a we, psychologically, socially, but also physically. And what happens is a lot of people, because we live in this culture where we're all about independence, we are toxically obsessed with individualism and independence. And there's a component of that that's awesome, but there's a component of that that's very pathologizing and shaming of true relationality, especially in adulthood. As children, we really think the job of parenting is to get our children to be individuals and to handle things on their own as soon as possible. <clears throat> Wrong. We now know that from all the important parenting research. Um, this is coming out of attachment parenting, gentle parenting. This is coming out of interpersonal neurobiology. Um, this is the work of a lot of different people. Let's just give a shout out to someone like Dan Siegel, if you want to really look into that stuff. And um, we know that we need to let our kids be dependent upon us as long as they need. We don't want to rip them away from us. There's no such thing as being too clingy or needed. There's effective or ineffective dependency. And ineffective is to their detriment, literally, not theoretically, but it, it's them literally not learning how to get some things done or do some things for themselves. Of course, we need to have that sense of um, autonomy and empowerment, but we shouldn't be ripping them away because we're afraid of them becoming a mama's boy, a daddy's boy, or too dependent. We need more dependence. We need more comfort with relationality. Let me tell you, from a perspective going backwards, the adults, patients in my practice, this is what they're struggling with. They don't know how to be relational. That's why, again, the cheating rate, the divorce rate, the singledom, people in couples therapy, we don't have good relational skills because we're not giving them a childhood. Instead, we're overly focused on being an individual, even in school. What school is so individualized. You're not working on tests and things as a group, but yet in the world, that is what's mandated. Most jobs you're working with others and doing and working with teams in relationships. It's about others and teams. We should be instilling that in school too. 
learn how to work with others. The sense of isolation and on your own is just rooted in this problematic, toxic American ethic that doesn't serve mental health or relationships. Like bam, bam, bam. So as adults, we also have dependency needs, but we tend to shame that and pathologize that by saying that's just for kids. But turns out the same things we needed as children from our caregivers is the same thing we need as adults from other adults. We never outgrow dependency needs. We don't need to. We are better off because we are with and, and cared for and supported by others. There's nothing that's been done without the support of others. I think it was something like 75% of, um, of um, wealthy individuals, they got that transmitted through their generational family lineage. That wasn't something that they did on their own from hard work. Um, like when you really look at the research, the most successful people did it not on their own at all. But even those that did it on their own didn't do it on their own. They still had other people helping them along the way. <laughs> You know, fundraising, support team, colleagues, friends and family members, supporting, giving ideas, whatever it is. We just don't do anything in isolation, but yet we love that idea. So we never outgrow dependency needs and relationships give us both co-regulation, which is more powerful than trying to regulate ourselves when we have someone else to turn to and to help soothe us and calm us down. And we also have barred functioning where someone else can help us with skills that we don't have. That's beautiful. We are stronger and better because of our attachment on others. Let's not shame that. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Let's honor that more. All right, we're going to keep talking about this. Stick around, y'all. We're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. All right, y'all, we're back, and we're talking about how some people keep themselves single, trapped in bad relationships, talking about these problematic ego lists that aren't real, looking for perfect, not understanding that relationships are about fusion and merger, and, and we are better off because of others, and just this powerfully culture, this powerful cultural need to get away from uh, shaming dependency. Yeah, we really hate that here in America. Um, so what do we need to focus on instead? Okay, ready for this one? As always, we're examining ourselves first before we look at our partner. However, it's okay to share with your partner what you're learning. More importantly, what you're hoping for, the vision you have for a relationship. And um, also, side note, if what I talk about are things you don't want to do or aren't willing to do, then you have deep-rooted resentment with your partner and you probably need some therapy. I say that lovingly. That wasn't a weaponized statement. You need to get some therapy because you're negatively impacting them and you're making their life harder. And we should make someone's life better for having been brought into it, not harder. So check yourself, truly. So here's the first one. We should be focusing on praising and complimenting our partners. Again, if you're like, yeah, no way, then you're not, you shouldn't be with someone right now, or at least that person, if you're not willing to give them praise or compliments, because that is a part of a healthy relationship. It's focused more on that and less on criticism and complaining, so much so that we have a really powerful theory that's been empirically validated through the Gottman's research, which is for every criticism or complaint, we need to bring in five compliments or forms of praise to counteract the impact that that has. That is how sensitive we are to negativity and we don't date or get married to make our lives harder and to get more negativity in fact we date and get married to have our lives improve be part of someone's improvement plan praise and compliment more and again if you're not willing to do that or comfortable doing that you have some work to do do that more with your children do that more with your friends do that more with the people you're dating Praise and compliment, that should be the focal point. No one needs to hear every bad thing called out or pointed out. And if you name call or put down, you're engaging in verbal abuse. That's a form of violence. Again, check yourself or call it out in your partner and say, if that doesn't change, the relationship has to end because this is then toxic. 
truly. So praise and compliment more than criticizing and complaining. Try to go an entire week without criticizing and complaining. What would that be like if instead you let it go or did it yourself because you understand that mental health is about a safe, supportive relationship and not always calling out something that's wrong with everyone. That becomes psychologically abusive. Don't do that. No one needs that in their life. Um, so be very free with that for an entire week. Maybe for some of you, you can only do it for a day, but that'll help you understand how much work you have to do. Keep criticism and complaints to a zero for a day or a week and instead celebrate and compliment and praise as much as you can. That is better for us. That will not make us into narcissists. That's not how that happens actually. Narcissism happens as a result of an absence of healthy forms of that. We'll talk about that on another show. Ready for this next zinger that pretty much goes with what I just said? Don't say any things that cause hurt or pain. Yeah, imagine not being verbally abusive by name calling, bullying, or gossiping. Okay, now we go into something else that's important. We literally need touch. We need more touch. We are so touch phobic as a culture. Of course, with good boundaries and informed consent. I'm not saying to just grab, rub, and touch people, but with those that you have blanket consent with because you're in a healthy functioning relationship and they welcome your touch whenever you feel like touching them or with those that you can ask or even with friendship. I said on the show before, I want us to get more comfortable hugging our friends, holding our friends' hands, leaning on them, snuggling with them. To me, we need to make that something that's healthy and appropriate. That's a really adorable form of affection. Affection should be able to exist with friends. I appreciate that some people don't understand those boundaries, don't understand the gray area, and that's not right for them. As a culture, we have to work on healing that. But I wish we could offer platonic support, care, love, and affection. But more importantly, with those that you're in a primary committed relationship with, my God, especially if it's monogamous, you want to be physically available, but ready, even bigger than that, physically generous. Be physically generous. Just like the praise, compliments, and celebrating your partner, you can't be too physically generous. Give tons of hugs. Give tons of touch. When you're driving, hold hands. When you're on the couch, lean up against them, put their legs on you. Massage them, rub them, cuddle. Bring in eroticism. You can't say to someone, you can only have sex with me, but I'm not going to have sex with you. That's forced celibacy. That's sexual abuse. If you're going to be monogamous, you have to be open to some form of eroticism. Otherwise, monogamy is not right for you or right for that relationship. Touch is one of the most important forms of bonding, connecting, but also soothing. Our bodies need it. It's good for our nervous system and our mental health. Offer more of it. And again, if you're not interested or willing to do that, then you have work to do or you're with the wrong partner. These are really good red herrings, all these things I'm talking about. So if you're like, great, I want to do that, good sign. If you're like, I wouldn't want to do that with this person or I'm too angry, then it's a red herring, it's a red flag, it's a sign that there's work or your marriage or your relationship has to end or need some couples therapy or just a lot of self-reflection and sitting down and having those difficult adult conversations. But do something. Here's another zinger that throws some people off. All solutions should be mutually beneficial, meaning no one wins and no one loses. We are always considering each other. We are on the same team. It's about cooperation, not a battle. It's not me against you. And if you're thinking in those terms, you have work to do. We're on the same team. It should be like, honey, here's the issue. What do you think would make sense for both of us? That's what it should sound like between friends, colleagues, family members, loved ones, husbands and wives. Yeah, mutually beneficial. If one person wins and the other loses, that ain't right. And you shouldn't feel okay with that because going back, we're praising, we're complimenting. We want to be here. We feel good when they feel good. There's a beautiful term in the Buddhist psychology world that talks about the joy we feel from someone else's joy. 
What a beautiful concept. I'm happy when I see that you're happy versus jealousy versus competition. I'm happy for you. It's almost like the word that comes out of the poly world of called compersion where you're happy when they're happy. Them being in love makes you feel good. You're, you're supportive of that. We can apply that to all of our relationships. If you care and love someone, you don't feel good when they're sad, mad, or hurt. You're happy when they're happy. More of that. That's part of the mutual beneficial solution that we're looking for. Everyone feels cared for and seen. Maybe someone volunteers to go a certain way and they're like, hey, I'm happy that you're happy so I don't feel like I'm losing. Great, that is then mutually beneficial. So check in on those things, work towards these. These are the vision. And if you're not interested or willing, ask yourself why. All right, we're gonna come back and talk a little bit more. Past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. But stick around, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and we're finishing up our discussion of how people keep themselves trapped in bad relationships, marriages, keeping themselves trapped in singledom. Because you might not be a good partner might be making people's lives harder. That's the first question. Is your partner or friend or family member's life made better or worse because you're in it? Check yourself, work on that. That's a powerful question. Also, we're praising more and complimenting more. We're saying we're not saying things that uh, hurt or cause pain on social media either. We're being physically available, more importantly, physically generous. Sit with that one. Hugs, massages, touch, cuddling. It hurts my heart when someone's like, hey honey, could you rub my feet? And they're like, ew, no. Whoa, what is that even about? Why do you, why are you denying your partner touch? You're their partner. If not you, who? You then can't get mad if they're like, all right, well then I guess I'll find someone else who wants to touch me because I deserve and I'm worthy of touch. That's not an excuse for someone to go cheap. But that's an excuse for them to say, if this isn't something you're willing to provide, we have some couples work to do, or maybe monogamy is not for us, or I need to understand why you are so body negative or sex negative because you're my, you're my romantic partner. You're my sex partner. You're maybe my monogamous partner. Like this is supposed to be part of what we bring in. Why are you unwilling to give me joy or pleasure? Why is that offensive to you? You know, that's a really big red herring or red flag that something's wrong. If your partner's like, hey, I'd love to cuddle or have sex with you. Um, I'm attracted to you and you're upset, angry, turned off, frustrated. Get, get some sex therapy. Go see a certified sex therapist, a CST, certified sex therapist. Bam, that's what we're trained for. Also, can you openly and safely share feelings? If not, you're probably in an abusive relationship or one that's very intimacy phobic. We have to be able to openly share and express feelings. If we feel like we're walking on eggshells or check yourself again, is your partner possibly walking on eggshells because you aren't safe to go to because whenever they ask for something or they have a request, you, def you get defensive or you get make it personal or you get upset, then you're not being a good partner. You are not safe for them to go to. Chill out. You have to be open to being told something is wrong or off that they're wanting to have changed. That is mandatory in all relationships. As I said earlier, consider the impact on your partner for your decisions too. Another one that comes up a lot is healthy relationships require disruption. Partnership means that your routine or daily life structure changes. Someone's being brought in. Someone else has needs. It's not just about you or how you did things. Maybe you're not going to your Tuesday night meeting anymore. Maybe you're going to one less a week or on a different day. Maybe your gym schedule has to change because your wife has to go to work and you have to take care of the kids or feed them breakfast. Like uh, you have to be disrupted. It can't just be like, this is my life. This is how it goes. And you just have to be dropped in seamlessly. I've mentioned that before. It's a hard one for some people. You know, but that's part of it. That's how we know we're really in a relationship. We're disrupted somehow. 
someone else's needs. We prioritize those as well. And we're always considering the impact of what we're saying and doing on that other person. I know, hard work, but that means we're ready and healthy enough to be in a relationship. And if we're not willing to do all this, we're not, or we're not ready, we don't know. Also, consistent, available, reliable, responsive. That's what we're looking for and that's what we're offering. If you take nothing away from tonight's show, if you're someone who's single and trying to date, Look for people that are consistent, available, reliable, and responsive, and also be that. If you're not willing or interested in being that, then you're not looking for a primary attached relationship. You're looking for something more casual. Make that known. Ask them, because maybe that's what they're wanting, and you're expecting something that comes from someone who wants something primary, but maybe they're not. Um, what else did I want to say? Uh, just a few more thoughts. Probably not enough time to get into it. Um, but just know that the work isn't about trying to change or fix someone. We can make behavioral requests like, hey, it'd mean a lot to me if you touched me more. Hey, it'd mean a lot to me if you took the garbage out. Hey, it'd mean a lot to me if we could spend more time together. That's not trying to change someone or fix them. That's asking for behavioral changes. We don't, we can't try to make someone a different person. Part of being in a relationship or dating is knowing who they are and, and accepting that and allowing that. And if you can or won't or don't want to, then you go find someone else. But within that, we are allowed to ask for behavior changes but we can't try to change a person at their characterological personality style. But behavior changes, talk to me kinder, touch me more. But people are allowed to be who they are. And that's why you can't date or marry someone based on the potential you think they have or who you want them to be because you're not correct. You don't know what's right for them. And it's usually self-serving. What you think is right for them or who they should be is in response to what you want or need because you don't want to have to do any difficult work or deal with disappointment or whatever it is. So really pay attention to that. And another big one is if we feel unsafe sharing our feelings or needs, like we talked about earlier, also not great. <laughs> That's a big one. And going back to the whole idea of just like letting some things go because not every single thing can be addressed and changed and worked on or fixed. Oof, I know, we learn about ourselves. Relationships are mirrors and they show us where our work is, right? They help us grow and change. That's the gift. Um, all right, we're gonna come back to some DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to. Love to hear from you. Put it all in there, helping someone else as you're helping yourself out. Always anonymous, always confidential. That's the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And if you wanna check out past episodes of the show, go over to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen and share. It's all about that repetition and that practice because the quality of your mental health, the health of your relationship is rooted in the quality of your practice. It's all about that repetition and consistency. Stick around though, more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all. So don't go anywhere. Stick around. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through, you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Got a question, put it in there. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, I'm almost 55 years old, and I'm just starting to explore the BDSM world. Bondage, domination, sadomasochism. It's the kink kink world. I just feel like I can't find anyone around my age that wants to explore that with me. I'm wondering if you have any resources or anything that I can, that can help me find people that are interested in exploring this world. Yes, a thousand things. Number one, some of the dating apps lend themselves specifically to this. Number two, certain cities will have kink meetups. Um, certain cities, most big ones, well, actually, let me say it differently. All big ones, as far as I know, have dungeons. And so do a little Google. Google, um, you know, dungeon, Google adult kink. Um, they'll come up. And I don't know where you live, but you might have to drive into the city, rent a hotel room for the weekend, or maybe you already are there. But um, yes, most cities have dungeons and you can choose to participate or not. You can watch, you can network, you can build community. If you're exhibitionistic, you can perform in front of people. There's playrooms. If you're voyeuristic, you can watch others. That's probably your best bet. You'll build community, you'll meet people, you can jump right in or you can witness tons of dungeons. Google, you will find them. Also, there's a page called FetLife. It's kind of like the kinky people's Facebook page. You can put a profile on there and meet other people. But that's your best bet, uh, a, a, a place that holds events like that or an online site. That's all we got, and that's good enough. So check out those two things, and you're good to go.
I mean, thank God for technology and the internet. Without that, we would never find anyone. And then sometimes you can even put it in your profile in standard dating apps. I see that kind of stuff coming in all the time in my office. People saying, hey, I'm kinky, I'm poly, I'm bisexual, and they put it in their profile on all the different dating apps. Uh, looking for play partners already in a relationship, they might say, or I'm single, looking for people into the kink world. So those are three great resources. I, it can't get any better than that. You can do this from your, your couch while you know drinking tea. Um, so that's your best bet. And maybe you want to host an event. I often tell people, create that which you want to have access to. You want to get to go, you know, you want to get invited to game nights, throw one. You wish you were invited to more dinner parties, have one, put it together, bring them in. You want some more kinky play parties, make it, post it, create a Facebook group for it. Go to a dungeon and get a bunch of people together. There's so many different ways to do these things. But I love you, wait later at life, really stepping into your authentic sexuality because our sexual prime is later in our lives when we have more confidence and, and familiarity with who we are and what we are and what we like and we start to seek it. Our sexual prime is not in our youth. That's our physical genital prime, but our sexual prime is later in life as we actually have experiences and learn about ourselves. So good on you. You got a lot of life ahead of you. Might as well do it in a really highly pleasure arousing based way. So the other final thing I'd also say now that I'm thinking about it, is sex boutiques, which pretty much every town has and definitely every city has a bulk of them, often throw events or might have a board where they can post events. They also often have those uh, sex event-based magazines for free in their lobby or by the door. Grab one of those. It'll tell you all the local events. Ask someone who works there. Look at the message board. Bam. Again, another great place to find and meet people. So take advantage of all of that. You'll be good to go. You know, um, back in the day, all we had was the anonymous Craigslist where you were putting your fate and safety in the hands of some stranger. But now with these other things, you can meet them in real time and explore more, ask questions. So great question. Good luck. Circle back. Let us know how that goes. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. That's questions you got. Helping someone else as you're helping yourself out. Always anonymous, always confidential. Also, you can put a topic in there that you want us to hit circle back, drop deeper into. Always want to get you uh, your needs met. And past episodes of the show is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down for Loveline and click on it. But I want you to spend the rest of the day focusing on self-care. What is something you can do that builds in just a little bit of pleasure? What is something you can also do that's based in leisure? And finally, how can we take more rest? Do something today, plan something for tomorrow. Be, um, we're dropping the bar though also for ourselves and those around us. That's also something that's important. I wanna remind people to do that every single time. Um, yeah, be good to those around you. We're also, you know, times are tough enough right now. We're not trying to make people's lives harder. <laughs> That's the other final takeaway point. Um, if only we could do that, you know, how many issues would get resolved with a little more kindness, a little more compassion doesn't cure all, but it certainly sets us off in a better direction. Um, all right, y'all always a pleasure to spend time with you. Thanks for hanging out with me. Join us tomorrow. Y'all enjoy the rest of your night. All right. Good night, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.